Alright class, settle down, find your seats. Class is back in session. Hello class, have we got a lesson today? Our word of the day is spite. S-P-I-T-E. It's a word that's resonated with a lot of college students this year. Literally in the hundreds of thousands, as one Washburn University professor found out. And spite has been a way to get through some of the most difficult semesters in recent memory. But it also brings up a fascinating discussion on what it means to be a college student and what university and college professors are doing to help students make their way through the pandemic. I'm your host, Rafael Garcia, and today we'll be talking with that Washburn University professor whose tweet about an interaction with a student blew up on Twitter. That student is also joining us, and we'll delve deep into why that tweet resonated with nearly a million people, what's different about being a college student during COVID-19, and why this year could mean a big change in the way colleges approach things like deadlines or attendance policies, with a little bit more flexibility in mind. After the break, we'll be back with Dr. Chris Jones and Mara Kufal, a student at Washburn University. The pair will talk about the tweet and share their thoughts with me via Zoom on what it means to be a college student this year. Stay with us on Teaching Topeka. Hey everybody, Blaze Meza, host of Our City here. Listen every week as I bring you local government stories that you need to know. When was the last time you heard from the Shawnee County Commission or Topeka City Council? Luckily for you, I hear from them weekly. Listen every week as I bring you the voices of your locally elected officials. That's Our City, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes out every Monday. I'm Chris Jones, and I am Assistant Professor of Religious Studies at Washburn University. This is my fourth year now at Washburn. Dr. Jones may be a religious studies professor, but on Twitter, where he has a sizable following, he may be best known for his outspokenness on college-level pedagogy, or the concept of thinking critically about the best way to teach students. So um, I oftentimes will start class with sort of a check-in and just different ways for students to talk about their experience, how they're doing. And on that day, we started with a poll on mental health and invited students to like rate themselves like I'm doing great. I'm doing okay. I need help, things like that. And then we had them break into small groups to talk about, you know, where they're at and how they're doing. And our, our share out discussion after small groups was about what are we doing to motivate ourselves? And that is when the rest is history happened. And when one of those students, sophomore Mara Kofal, said something that made him laugh, it was something that he thought to tweet about online, without her name, of course. Dr. Jones tweeted, I asked my students today what keeps them motivated. One of them said spite. That tweet, as of Thursday morning, had more than 80,000 retweets and nearly two-thirds of a million likes. Here's Mara to break down what happened that day in class. I am... Honestly, me saying spite was my motivation was just kind of, it popped into my head and I didn't really think about it until after I had heard about the tweet and that it had gone viral. And, and I actually really started thinking about it afterwards. And I was like, oh, okay. It was just something that happened spontaneously. And <laughs> Now, I'm someone who loves making dumb jokes on Twitter, but especially on a medium where the kind of communication is short by nature. Why do you think this tweet went viral? Do you think that this joke of spite being the thing to get college students through, is there some truth to that? Uh, I've definitely had to tell myself multiple times, especially this year, that, hey, there is 
like this is going to get better and that it's not going to stay the same stressful situation forever and that there will be a point that I can breathe easily and know that hey I made it through this and I made it through on the other side hopefully better than where I was when it started. It's no secret that you, Dr. Jones, are a huge fan of pedagogy, or at least as far as we can tell from your Twitter feed. Um, Dr. Jones, what has been different about student learning this school year? Well, I mean, everything is different in, in a lot of ways. And so the dynamic I've observed most is that it's just harder for everybody. And so, you know, students who would have done great are doing okay. And students who would have been doing okay are really struggling. And students who would have already been struggling are just not able to hang in there. And so the effect of pandemic pedagogy of, you know, classes on Zoom and all of the disruption and the anxiety that we experience has just been to um, disadvantage everybody. And so whatever disadvantages they might have had coming into their classes are just made that much more, uh, just that much stronger, that much sharper for them. Um, and so, you know, I've always been very concerned with supporting all of my students and especially with supporting those who are at risk. And now, it, I mean, a majority of our students are at risk. And, and so it just, it's that much more work. So how can college professors do more to teach their at-risk students? Well, I'm a big proponent of universal design. And that's the idea that you should design classes so that pretty much all learners can access them relatively equally, rather than designing a class for the best learners and then making accommodations for students with disabilities and other sorts of different conditions coming in. The same principles apply here. Like the more that you can offer flexibility, you know, so give students rolling deadlines, give students multiple ways of engaging with class, multiple ways of coming to class, multiple ways of completing a assignments and showing what they've learned, um, the more that you can reduce the anxiety of hard deadlines and unflexible uh, requirements, the more you can provide access to more students, whatever their circumstances are. And that way you're not in a position of having to figure out like who deserves help, who is really suffering and who is just trying to get some extra help or whatever. Um, you can just offer that to everybody and then let them come as they will to engage however they, they feel they need to. Mara, you mentioned that this is the second class you've actually taken with Dr. Jones. What do you think have been different about his classes? I will say uh, Dr. Jones's class has been probably my favorite class. I've taken his classes uh, both last semester and now this semester. And it has honestly been a huge stress relief because I've had classes both last semester and this semester have strict deadlines on assignments and like big essays and still trying to act like it's a normal semester, even though the class is meeting like once a week virtually on Zoom. And I, I'm personally not the kind of student who functions well on an online environment. So just having like the rolling deadlines or um, like not heavy concrete deadlines and specific like huge things going on has made it a lot easier for me just to process and not be panicking every time I turn around going, oh, crap, I have this to do or I have this to do and just constantly going, oh, okay, what's next? I think that we, generally speaking, have this idea that college is supposed to be hard, that students are supposed to be overstressed, overburdened, and even overhomeworked. Dr. Jones, I take it you're not a huge fan of that, um, but how can we move on from this line of thinking? 
That's a complicated question. There's a lot going on there. I mean, I think that there's definitely a movement right now among a lot of educators to to move away from what we might call, you know, toxic stress and uh, overwork and, and that general paradigm of college life. And I think a lot of it comes from that, you know, classic American work ethic, the idea that if you're not overworking yourself, you're lazy, you're not doing enough. And, you know, beyond that, I think a lot of it comes to, to the, 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 the meritocratic ethos that we have, the idea that everybody can make it, everybody can get ahead if they just work hard enough. Um, and there's some truth to that, but there's so much that is, is not true. Like where you come into college has a lot more to do with where you end up than what you do during college. Students who come in with every advantage in the world are going to leave with every advantage in the world. Students who come in with massive disadvantages and obstacles and challenges are going to be much less likely to be successful. And that comes back to, you know, this issue. It's like Mara, you mentioned, you know, struggling with online format. That is so common. So many students struggle with online learning because it is so much harder to engage, pay attention, focus, anybody who had like attention deficit issues or anything like that coming into the semester, it just is off the charts now. It is so hard for everybody to, to deal with this situation and engage with it. And so to get back to your question, Raphael, um, I think that a lot of that pushback is coming from actually studying how people learn. You know, what we, what we, what we find out as we do research into the scholarship of teaching and learning is that when people are anxious, they don't learn. When people are, are scared, they don't learn. When people are overworked and pressured, they don't learn. They perform. They try to do the minimum necessary to get through to the next thing. And they don't actually internalize and, and experience the transformation that comes from real learning. And so the more that we can, focus on work that actually produces learning and, and focus on work that does not artificially enhance anxiety, the more that our students are actually going to be learning in our classes. And that's true outside of a pandemic, but it's especially true now. I think that trying to pretend like things are normal and falling back on, on old structures to, um, to, to keep students motivated is, I have not seen it work very well. Um, and so I, I don't want to say that I'm any more effective at teaching. I don't feel very effective, but I, I definitely want to try things that I haven't already failed at. Beyond spite, I think a key word this year has been adaptability. But do you think any of these adaptations we've seen this year can stay beyond a time when we get back to, knock on wood, normal? I mean, I think anybody who is a professional, uh, when you find something that works, you stick with it. And you're always trying to get better. You're always trying to improve your practice. And so, you know, like one example of that with, with deadlines, you know, I've evolved a lot on that. I used to have much more strict deadlines. And what I discovered last spring when we first went online was that, you know, students just weren't keeping deadlines at all. It was just, it was a complete free-for-all. Um, it was, you know, just slogging through the mud. And so what I discovered is that if I like met with a student and said, okay, when would you like to get this turned in and they said oh next monday they usually kept that deadline like if they set it for themselves they would stick to what they said and what i've learned that's been reinforced this year by you know again working with students individually generally if they have some freedom to make their own choices they respect their own choices and so that's something i'm definitely going to retain into the future i think that's just good practice um i think too you know some of our accessibility features like offering students the option of of coming online or in person will be 
really beneficial, not just for students who maybe are, are sick or whatever, because we certainly don't want to encourage that kind of toxic. You must come to class, even if you have a cold or a flu or whatever. That's terrible. Um, but beyond that, students who, you know, maybe deal with mental health issues and struggle to, you know, come to class some days can still come online. Um, students that have, you know, demanding work lives or, you know, are involved in childcare or elder care can still engage with classes. We can make education more accessible without losing what is fundamental to it. Dr. Jones, while you've taken this really student-centered and accommodating approach, other professors maybe haven't taken these kinds of steps yet, especially knowing how much academia can be entrenched in traditional ways of teaching, grading, and other things. Mara, from your perspective as a student, what's something you wish other professors would recognize about yours and other college students' experiences? I think the fact that we are we are still trying our best. Like even even with everything, we are still trying to get to the end, just like everyone else is. And a lot of us still want to do good. It's just trying to function like it is normal still isn't what's helping us. And I know there are several professors who have been doing that and it doesn't help a lot. And it's just figuring out what fits to make it work better over time and as it goes on. Looking beyond a college setting, what do the both of you maybe wish more people knew about what colleges look like right now? I guess if I jump in, the first thing I would say is just that faculty in general are working far, far harder than we ever have before. And I mean, in that respect, you know, I... I'm in no way unique or special in this. There are a lot of my colleagues who are trying anything they possibly can to motivate students and are really being flexible and working with students in lots of different ways. You know, I'm loud and that's why I get noticed, but uh, you know, I'm certainly one among many, many people who are doing a lot of things to try to make this work. Um, and so, you know, some of the, the rhetoric in the state legislature about you know, college education and, um, you know, whether faculty are, are working harder. Yes, we are. Absolutely. It is three times as much work to prepare a class to move online and to maintain a class in an online environment than it is to teach it in person. Um, and so I just want, you know, I want students to know certainly that when I say we're all in this together, I really do mean that. Um, we are fried and overworked and um, uh, at the end of our rope and administrators are as well. I mean, I know my administrators at Washburn are working way more hours and just doing everything they can to try to keep things running. So we're all in a situation that is not sustainable and very challenging, and we're all doing the best that we can. Um, and so I would encourage us to offer grace to everybody, um, with that in mind. Um, I do know a lot of us students are still working as hard as we can to get our degrees and to uh, make it to the end of our education. I spend a lot of time talking to some of my friends who are here on campus and friends of mine who uh, go to different schools. And we are constantly talking about how we're working to get through our classes. Or if we have classes together, we're talking with each other of like what's working for us on getting through this class and how that we're successfully making it through each class or um, each semester throughout all of this to eventually get our degrees and be able to go on and work. Let's go back to the tweet, which again resonated with hundreds of thousands of people online. It might be easy to dismiss this as a silly joke, but it also seems that if it was funny, it was because people saw some sort of truth to it. 
What do you hope people have been able to think on as they maybe take five seconds of their day to read the tweet before scrolling through the rest of their feeds? I hope that people understand that I don't mean it with like a completely negative connotation. For me, it's I'm trying to prove myself to people who held me back in the past. And I want them to think of moments that people have tried to tell them like, oh, hey, you can't ever do like you won't be able to ever do this or this and i want them to be able to go like wait i can prove that person wrong and show them that i can do this and that i can make it this far in the in my life and that they don't control what i do that it's my choice to get as far as i have come and to go further and further beyond anything that they have ever thought possible for me and that i may have ever thought possible for myself so if you look at the the replies and the mentions to that tweet, I mean, there's a lot of garbage in there because it's a viral tweet and it attracts all kinds of toxicity, but there's a definite strain of exactly that way of thinking, Mara. And I loved it. Like so many people telling stories about like when I was in seventh grade, my teacher told me you'll never amount to anything. And so, you know, I sent them a photo of my doctoral diploma and just all of these stories of people overcoming negativity in their lives. Um, that spite is a powerful motivator. And, and we mean it jokingly, but also there's a real truth to it, right? That that being told you can't makes you want to do it even more. Um, and one conversation that came up in that, a serious pedagogical conversation is over like whether that is something we should use to motivate students. And I want to go on record and say, absolutely not. Like if you're motivated by spite because somebody wronged you, use that, dig deep and make it happen. But as an educator, please don't ever tell somebody they can't do something as a way to motivate them. In my experience, it's much better to motivate students by telling them they can and giving them the support they need to get there. Um, that is certainly, that's certainly my, my mode of teaching. But yeah, there are all kinds of wonderful stories in there about people overcoming what they've been told are their limitations. It's a good reminder that as a teacher, you never know a student's story and you are never in a position to tell them what their limitations really are. The tweet and other interactions like it have been the byproducts of one of the most difficult years for college students. It's definitely a strange year for college. Um, I got lucky that this is my second year and I did get most of a year as a normal college student. But I know I have several friends who this is their first year in college. And it's not the first college experience I would ever want, but I hope that maybe one day in the future that they will get that experience that I got for those first couple of months. And that it's just, we're all working to try and get through this and to hopefully see the other side. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would, I would add on to that too. I mean, it, it everybody is doing the best they can. Everybody is, is working with impossible circumstances and trying their hardest. Um, I hate teaching on Zoom. I, I hate, you know, the everything about that because it's so not the classroom. It's all of the, the hard things about college are still there. It's still difficult. It's still challenging. It still makes us confront our limitations and it's still anxiety inducing, but none of the fun stuff is there. There's not anything about, you know, people interacting in class together. Um, I, this morning I was interacting with somebody on Twitter and I realized the thing I miss most about teaching and forgive the metaphor, but infectious laughter, like that, that time when something happens in class and somebody starts laughing and then somebody else starts laughing and soon you're all laughing. That doesn't happen on Zoom. And it doesn't happen with masks on. Um, and that's just emblematic of what we have lost in this last year. It is so hard to be motivated to keep doing this when everything is hard and nothing is fun. And I have not figured out yet how to make it fun. Well, class, that's the bell. 
And that wraps up today's class. Big thanks to Dr. Jones and Mara for joining us for today's class. Your homework this time is to reach out to a college student or professor who you may know and just check in. Maybe tell them how much you appreciate their hard work. They, among so many other people, could always use a little love. Also, be sure to check out the Capital Journal's other podcast series, and be sure to keep up with the latest news and our in-depth reporting at cjonline.com. For the Capital Journal's Teaching Topica, this has been Rafael Garcia. Thanks for learning with us, and hope to see you soon for our next class.